So welcome to this uh, podcast series exploring the history of radio control car racing in Australia. Favourite races, tracks, cars, people, funny stories. We'll get to all of it. Today, joining me, uh, without question, one of the great characters of Australian RC, uh, Victoria's Lou Solar. On his day, able to mix it with the best, but, you know, just known for always being good fun, hardworking, enjoying his racing, happy to help, uh, and real creative in the cars that he put on the racetrack as well. Made radio control car racing a better place. Uh, known for many years for running Team Losi products, but a bunch of other things we'll get into. And in my memory, at least, famed maybe only alongside Simon Camilleri for massive horsepower. Uh, Lou Solar, thanks so much for having a chat with me. Uh, it's great to catch up with you again. Scotty, what an intro. <laughs> Can you live up, up to, to that? I'll, I'll give it a crack. Give it a crack. So, mate, give, us, give me the basic, what's the basic Lou Solar story? How did, how did you get started in this sport, um, this hobby? Like, where did it kick off for you? So I lost my license, I think in about 1984 it was, and I was really bored and I had nothing to do. So ended up getting my, my now wife to take me down to Dick Smith. Okay. I bought a, a Tamiya Pajero. A Tamiya Pajero? A Tamiya Pajero, yep. And nice. I found that there was just near where I was living, there was a track. Where, which so track we was got that? A, uh, it was a Kringle. Okay. A Kringle it was in the back of a shopping centre. Yeah, and uh, that was at the time when they would um, run for four minutes or five minutes, and then yeah. clap and stop, and yeah. then they'd work out how many yeah. laps. Yeah, twelve point six five laps or whatever it yeah. might have been. Yeah, but for a for a clubby back then, you, they'd have like a hundred and twenty people or a hundred and fifty yeah. people. It was just huge. And were you racing um, that first car you bought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then quickly worked out that the car was no good. No. Probably not um, as a race car. <laughs> not really. Um, and then we found out that um, Suzanne's brother-in-law had won a competition. And in that competition, they'd given him a Kyosho Optima and Ooh. a Zerta. Oh, two of the absolute classic 80s yep. full drives. Yep. Yeah, I happen to have both of those cars now. It's not the same cars, but... Um, You've yeah, got a Zerta. I've got a Zerta. Wow. Um, that was quite a car, went, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, belt drive, yeah. independent suspension, pretty special. Yeah, yeah full on. Uh, we then ended up getting a Marui Hunter from a swap meet. Yeah. And I thought that that would make a pretty cool car to go racing with. Not too worried about the four-wheel drive back then. And yeah. um, I needed a part. We went to an ABC Models shop. And while I was in there, I ran into Peter Chard, who happened to work just up the road from me. Okay. And I had no idea that he was into car racing. And we got talking. and oh, yeah, you need to go racing, you need to do this, we've got this for you. We, yeah. Long story short, um, he had boxes of Kaisho Optima stuff, yeah. which he gave to me. We built the car as a race car, and then he sucked me into taking Michael Chard to Knox with his new Yokomo <laughs> YZ870C yeah. that they'd just gotten uh, because Jeff Bertels was going to set up his ball diffs. So just to put that in context, that's uh, Peter Chard, father of Michael Chard, who would later on become yep. national champion in uh, 1991, wasn't he? Four-wheel drive national champion. Yeah. So, yeah, and hopefully we'll catch up with Michael uh, in the next few weeks and hear a bit more about yep. that story. Um, can I just yeah, take so, you back for a moment to that Maruri sure. Hunter? Uh, uh, yeah. Every now and then I'm going to tell you a couple of stories from my side as well. We had the Maruri Galaxy, which was, I think, the, the, the car that superseded the Hunter. And yep. it was an evil, evil handling piece of work. Little two-wheel drive, 
uh, like VW style swing arm rear suspension, absolutely atrocious to drive. So we plastic tub chassis, uh, literally cut the chassis in half with a hacksaw and bolted in a piece of fiberglass to extend the wheelbase by about an inch uh, in an attempt to make it a somewhat drivable. Uh, didn't really help. It, it remained a horrible, horrible car to try and race. So I think you were well served getting uh, moved on from that Marui Hunter. Oh, something a little bit really better. Good speedy. I think <laughs> if I remember right, the, the Galaxy had a really good um, speedy because electronic speedies weren't all the rage back then. It no, was, you had a mechanical one. Yeah. And I think the Galaxy had like a concealed one that the dirt and stuff couldn't get into it. Hmm. So that so you've met up with Pete, you've gone off racing with Michael. Is it is that the kind of, you know, is that what helped the sport, the hobby stick for you? You know, meeting up with other people and the kind of relationships that you formed around that? And um, was it, you know, other people in your family involved or just you kind of going no, off just with myself. some of those guys? Before, yeah. before that, I really didn't know that there was anything so, such as RC racing, if it yeah. hadn't been for them. Like I, I was sort of exposed a little bit to it because the guy at the hobby shop told me that there was a track, yeah. but I hadn't realised. I mean, the first time I went to Knox, it was just yeah, yeah in a in a sort of late eighties, it was huge. And is that that's Knox is in the same place still today? Is that exactly? Is that right? So that's a, that's a incredible heritage for that club, isn't it? That's been in that one oh, yeah. spot for I don't know what I, my maths is not very good, but thirty something years. Yeah. Well, that's that, extraordinary. It was 87 when I went to Knox the first time. Yeah. And that, that was with my Optima with a 540 in it. Yeah, yeah. So you you got involved in Knox. You, you know, started doing kind of club racing, you know, just it yep. progressed from there, I guess? Yep, pretty much. Um, we'd go every second Sunday, go to Knox, run 540 and yep. try these tires and work out <laughs> the back of the car with the bottom out. And um, yeah, and then, and then from that, it sort of just progressed. And um, yeah, a few weeks after I'd sort of been racing, I heard through the charts, of course, that um, they were going to go to the showgrounds because the, the national championship were going to be on. So we're talking a 1988. Okay. So I didn't feel like I had the skills to race at that point. Yeah. I probably never had them out anyway. Uh, but anyway... Um, yeah, we were watching all the cars going around, and I remember a very young Darren Campbell with a red and white Optima. Yeah. I was asking him about the motors and everything like that. Um, and yeah, once I saw those cars going around and the competition and the organisation and stuff like that, I just, it was me, I was hook, line, and sinker. You've got to be in. Yeah. Um, so that's 88 Nationals, that's in Perth, oh, that's in Melbourne. And Melbourne Showgrounds, yeah. Melbourne Showgrounds. So you went off and watched at that event. Do you remember your first? kind of big race meeting that you raced at you know maybe a state uh, title or a national title or something yeah um so i sort of gave 540 the flick pretty quickly and <laughs> the thing to run back then was uh stock which were 27 turn bush motors yes um and by that stage i'd already moved on the optimus and i had a second hand car from the charge which was a um, yokomo and it would have been the 89 Vic Championships at Templestowe. Yep. Yep. And that's the same spot where the Templestowe on-road track is? On-road track is, yep. Yeah, okay. But that whole area used to be off-road. Yeah. To start with. So what do you remember about that race meeting, rocking up to your first Vic titles with that Yokomo? Uh, Yep. So everybody was running, uh, obviously. So you had 27-turn motors, but uh, back then... Kyosho 
from the ABC shop, you could buy two different types. One was a stock 20 degree timing yeah. motor and yeah. a stock 34. Yeah. And the stock 34s were awesome. They were really fast, but they're only good for about one or two runs. So um, I had like three of those and yeah, I, I was going really well and competitive and everything. And then I yeah. remember probably the, I think it might've been in the second final. We had the granitic gravel back then. Yeah. Using those Jokomo tires with the big pins. Yeah. Um, T TR eights and TF fives. Yes. I think that would yeah, be. Yeah. Before the before the uh, world titles. The the, yeah. Big tires came out. And um, I ended up with a big stone in one of, in the back belt. The car just locked up, wouldn't go anywhere. So oh. yeah, I had a, like a DNF in one final, and yeah, I think I probably finished sixth or something like that. Which was very cool. Yeah. Nice. And, and then really, I guess you've, you've kicked on from there, haven't you? I mean, you've, you, you know, through that, particularly over the next few years and through into the mid nineties, you were a fixture at big race meetings all over the country. Did you, I mean, did you just get the bug for those big races at that first Vic titles? Uh, what was your first nationals that you raced at? Um, so what happened after that was 1989. 1989 is a very special year in Australia because we had the world championships in St. Ives. We so, did. Yeah. Um, I was still running stock at that time. And uh, we made the trip to go and watch all these yeah. guys from, and we watched the whole event, uh, talking to everybody, all the guys were all races in the end. We talked to Masami, we talked to yeah. Joel Johnson, yeah. we talked to Ernie Prevetti, and we ended up with a box full of stuff at the end of the meeting, they're all selling off. And <laughs> I had mod motors and batteries and servos and speed controllers and, yeah, so we, we came back to Victoria, I think. And I can't remember, but I, I've got a feeling that it would have been like September. or Yeah, I think it was like August, September, something like that. Yeah, yeah. August, September, something like that. Yeah. Um, so that, that sort of took us to the end of 89. And then by yeah. 1990, it was I'd switched to modified. Yeah. Um, and we found out the 1990 Nats were going to be in South Australia. So yes. booked a hotel room and yeah. yeah made the trip. So the first one was at the my first Nationals was uh, the indoor track at the South Australia showgrounds. So they ran two nationals there indoors, didn't they? In 90 and then yep. again in about 96, I think. 96, yep. Yeah, yeah. So yep. you rock up to your first nationals, indoor, purpose-built track, Adelaide away from home. I, yep. I bet the adrenaline's buzzing. Tell me a little bit about that event. Um, what do you remember from that um, 1990 nationals? Yep, so the track was like a hard-packed clay with yep. absolutely no grip whatsoever. <laughs> there was just nothing. And I we were so naive that. and we just, we didn't know, we didn't know. Yeah. So like, I, you know, at the, at the worlds, the, the tire to have, everyone was running the TR32s, which were the long, long pin Yokomo yeah. tire with the 2.2 yeah. rims. So we had boxes of those, but they were useless. The, yeah. So we were trying to clip them down to stop the pins from rocking around. And then we, we hear in a grapevine that, uh, Yokomo's got this other tire called a TR31. Yeah. And have a look at them. They got the little pin and they're like, wow, put them on. They were way better. And then yeah. watching some cars going around and they didn't even slide. But like my own car was just in the four wheel slide the whole way around the track. And then I talking about Rick Bartolozzi, I look at over Rick and Rick's got these 31s on it. And I'm like, Rick, how come your car's got so, so much grip? And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but then I find I out that. Know. His tyres are TR31S, not yes. TR31M, and yeah. we can't get the S's anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that was um, 
if you had to, if you had those tires, you went good. And if you didn't have those yeah. tires, well, you just yeah. slid around everywhere. I, and, I do um, that same year. So the thirty was the thirty-one, the thirty-two, and there was a like a step pin sort of TR thirty-three, wasn't there? Thirty-three or thirty-four, yeah. Yeah, and I remember running those at the Queensland Champs in nineteen ninety, and I had two pairs, uh, and yeah. that's it. And they worked, and you know, it's just one of those races where you're on the right tire, you've just got enough, and uh, yeah, it made all the difference in the world to have that right tire for the day. No inserts, and I can't even tell you 100% whether we used to glue them or not because I think no. we didn't. No, I feel like we probably didn't. They were they were pretty hard no. rubber back in yeah. those days. Give me, give me a little the, bit of a tour through the next couple of years then for you after that 1990 Nationals. Okay, so 1990 Nationals, 1991, that was Canberra ACT yeah. titles. Yeah, you were there. Yeah. Yep, um, I think I was double B finalist. <laughs> so that's probably the first time you and I faced off in a B final, I reckon. Yeah, possibly. Um, it did happen a few times over the years. Yeah, if you guys want your motors, order them now because when we get to the event, I'm going to only have your motors and nothing else. Yeah, no worries. Can you please get me a 13 triple? Yeah, done. Get to the event. I've got a 13 single. Uh, oh. That's not what I ordered. Oh. So, yeah, that's what we made do with what we had. Yeah. Um, Yokomo, and uh, that was my first nationals that I ran the Losi car. Okay. It was my first go tour drive, 91. Yep. So, oh, so you were four drive right through until 91 when you when you started yep. tour drive. Ah, oh, because for so many others, it's the other way around, isn't it? Like they'll start in two wheel and then, you know, maybe move into four wheel at a later date. Um, yeah. How'd you find yeah. that transition moving from four wheel to two wheel? Oh, I remember going to Knox, and back then, Davy Crow was running stock. And he was running an Ultima, and I couldn't get over how well he could get that car around. Yeah. Because you think, you know, a two wheel drive car hasn't got the grip like the four wheel drive, but this thing looked like it had ridiculous amounts of grip. And I, I was always um, curious about the two wheel drive and got talking to the Chards. The Chards had a Losi. The Losi that the Chards had belonged to Collings, Greg Collings. Yep. Greg Collings had run it at the Worlds. And then after the 1990 Nats, I ended up with that very car. Okay. So that was that was my first car, and I've still got it. Yeah. Oh, you've you've great cars in your collection. Uh, yeah, I lost a lot of them, but yeah, I'm slowly getting them back. There's in. a couple there. I do remember running the JRX2 at that at Canberra as well, the '91 Nationals, and that was right around that the move from the short wheelbase five-link car to the to the um, performance kit, wasn't it? The longer wheelbase, the longer front shocks, and the the performance kit. Performance kit. That's the one. Performance kit. Yeah. I, I wonder if the proofreader ever got in trouble for that. Uh, I don't know. But so yeah, that that that's what, uh, that's that 91 Nationals, I mean, almost was a bit of a, a kind of a shift into a different era, wasn't it? So you had Racing Lines magazine emerged at that event. So that shifted the kind of communications around the country. You had Campbell pop up and win two-wheel drive and Michael Chard win four-wheel drive, almost a bit of a changing of the guard. Um, I remember Bartolozzi being fast uh, and in the final, but, you know, there was some new faces right at the front. Um, the kids. The kids were coming, yeah. Yeah. That's when the kids started. Um, yeah. Davy Crow, Michael Chard. He was in there. Andrew Gillett. Yeah, um, very young Andrew Gillett was there, wasn't he? Very, very young, yeah. I think... Um, in my final, the B final, I think I had five or six Andrews. <laughs> there was Andrew Bolton, Andrew Gillett, Andrew Nelson. Yeah. And plus another couple more that I can't couple remember. More. But yeah, I think yeah. it was five or six that 
Yes, I was the only non-Andrew, I think. <laughs> Just you and I. Uh, yeah. I do. I I recall fondly that event. That was the first time we travelled, and it was probably the first time that a you know a big group from Queensland travelled, and it was such an eye-opening um, experience. We came down with you know a few mates, and it was the first event for Oscharge Electronics as well. I think yeah. um, you know Barry Putty and some some battery matching and so on, and to come down there and run into this you know fascinating kind of New South Wales Victoria rivalry that you know, we weren't really aware of, except that, you know, as I looked along the driver's stand and there's people like Davy Crow and Reese Bertles and, uh, you know, Darren Campbell, Michael Chard, um, Greg Brooks, Ross Kramer was really quick around that time. Um, you know, Andrew, was, Nelson. Was Andrew Nelson, you know, it's fascinating to kind of run into this, um, this, what felt like a really intense rivalry between New South Wales and Victoria that, you know, we would then bump into again in the, in the years that followed. Uh, were you were you conscious of that kind of interstate sort of rivalry at that early stage? You know, that's only what your second national. Yeah, well, see, there was um, we had a performance hobby supplies team back then, so we were all whatever Greg brought was yeah. what we used to run. So um, for two wheel drive, we'd all run Losi car, and for four wheel drive, we'd all be running Yokomo. And then we'd go interstate, we'd go to New South Titles or something in 91. And it was, it was the Schumacher guys, like yep. Darren was running Schumacher, Andrew yes. Nelson, the Schumacher with yes. LRP motors. And they were so yep. fast. Yeah. Um, and then you had a handful of, you know, the Greg Brooks and uh, Ross Kramer, like you said, they're running yeah. the associated car and it sort of hook yep. up with Reese and then Reese used to hook up with himself. But yeah, um, yeah, it was like an associated team, a Schumacher team and a Losi yeah. and Yokomo team. Um, tell me, talk to me a little bit about that performance hobby supplies, that kind of era. You know, my, what I recall is, you know, the jacket, uh, you know, and seeing you guys getting around in the jacket, the famous jacket, and it almost had this, for those of us who were outside the team, it almost had this kind of, it was almost like the baggy green, you know, and we used to wonder whether there was some official presentation ceremony where you got your performance hobby supplies jacket. Uh, but there were some big names, weren't there, that passed through that team. Uh, over that time. Tell me a little bit about uh, yeah. the team and the guys uh, that you were there with. You had, uh, well, obviously, Greg Collins, who could still see it pretty yeah. well back then, although he never used to race all the time, but when he did, he was fast. He was. Uh, Rick, Rick Bartolozzi. Um, you had a couple of guys from Sydney as well. Their names are on the tip of my tongue and they'll come to me later when it's right. too late. Yeah. Um, plus, obviously, you know, Michael Chard, David Crow, yeah. myself, I ended up getting a Guernsey. Um, yeah, and it was pretty good. Like, um, Greg used to be able to get get his hands on some team wound motors and some yes. better batteries and everything like that. And, um, there, were, there were stories that we used to hear about Q's outside you know, his hotel room at night to have, you know, motors rebuilt or... Uh, you know, to be put on the Greg Collings dyno. Is there any truth to those uh, yeah. those stories? Yeah, but um, it was just, it was a little bit, whoever was performing on the day used to get the equipment. Yeah, okay. And, and that got old real quick. Yeah. That's quite a big team too. It's quite, that's quite a lot of names, a lot of drivers to try and look after yeah. Um, yeah. in that time. Uh, we've kind of skipped ahead a little bit there, but so... Um, because I've, you know, I've always been fascinated by the, the performance hobby supplies jacket. Really, I just wanted a jacket. Yeah. Uh, let's so let's just kind of go back. Maybe we're, so we're back at ninety one. Just maybe talk to me about a couple of other you know big highlight events for you over that next kind of couple of years um, that followed. Uh, 
Yeah, so we had a fairly strong um, competition within the state. We used to have what they used to yeah. call the Orca rounds. Yes. Or I can't remember what Orca, Off-Road, Radio Control, Car Association or something like that. Sounds about right. So we'd yeah. go to pretty much have a round at every club that was in Victoria. So we'd, we could go, you know, there was like six or seven uh, clubs that we'd go, they all have a round. And of course, when you'd go to a country round, they'd really turn on a track for you, and it was incredible. Yeah. Like the, you know, the barbecues were awesome. The track was really yeah. good. You know, they usually get the mayor down or something like that to yeah, make a country hospitality the event. Yeah, yeah, it was really awesome. And um, each club would send their best three drivers. Okay. Um, so we, you'd be, you know, you'd have to qualify to be to run a certain class at this event. So, you know, there might be, you know, myself. David Crow and Michael Chard racing two-wheel drive modified or four-wheel yeah. drive modified. And then, um, you know, another club would send Reese Birtles and uh, Ed Hollinger and some other guy. Yeah. So they'd be there three and, you know, whichever cl- club used to come on top was the winner. So yeah. um, I was with the Knox club from the start. So we, we were always fairly competitive, but yes. the level of um, competition was really, really high back then. Um, and 1991 would have been the first time I won a club, one of the club rounds. Okay. And I actually, I won two wheel drive with my Losi Jarex Pro SE. Yeah. Uh, that must have been. And I beat a guy called Neil Millard, who was a Victorian. I remember the name. Yeah. And fast. That must have been quite a moment, mate, to, to, um, knock over your first W at one of those events. Surreal. You won a few races over the years, didn't you? Did you pick up a Did you pick up a Victorian title somewhere along the way? Um, yeah, um, a couple. Of, I won the truck. Yep. Ninety-five, I think it was. Yep. Runner-up in ninety-six. Simon Badizi beat me. Yep. He was um, fast. I won. I won the four-wheel drive mod. I made a comeback in the year two thousand. Okay. Four-wheel drive mod Vic titles if, uh, with a Predator. Yep. Oh yeah, we'll come back to the Predator. Yeah, uh, I talked about cars in a little bit. So you definitely had those moments, those days. Um, I had a few moments. You know, when yeah. all when it all came together. Um, yep. But you know, and it, it, nice to be able to have those trophies in your kit bag as you drove home from the race meetings. Yeah, there's I a couple imagine. that I look back on and yeah, so near but yet so far. And yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the events where I'd finish fourth, um, it was harder than the one that I won. So. Yeah. So, I mean, give me, you know, give me maybe one or two more race meetings that, you know, really stand out in your memory, you know, maybe because of the track, maybe because of the competition, maybe your results, um, you know, what really sticks for you? There's a couple, the, the 94 Nats at Kilo was pretty special. Um, yep. We, 93, Darren came back from Detroit and he had the double X. Yes. And we raced the New South titles with him. Oh, I had the Pro C and his car was just insane. He was so fast. And, and I had a drive of his car after the event and I just couldn't get over how, how stable yeah. and how, how good it turned. And so that sort of led us into the 94 Nationals and Darren came out. We all had the double X by this stage and yeah. we got the car. We were all working together as a team, you know, and uh, we were trying different springs and different pistons and tyres and everything. And um, like I remembered, Darren's qualifier, he does his three laps into the qualifier and he yells out to me, oh, I put the wide fives on the front. <laughs> so I put them on just, and the car was insane. And, and the qualifying was so close. And back then it was just, um, 
it was rocket round. So you, it yeah. wasn't like you missed a round. Like you had to be fast. And yeah. and I remember, I think it was the top two guys were separated by one or two seconds. And then the next eight, we were like two seconds apart. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. And I, and I had a really good, good chance at it. And, you know, um, yeah, there was the, the kilo track and that, that race meeting was in a turn one was a hairpin. And it was always carnage, and it just you know I think I qualified eighth or something, and yep. they'd go into into turn one, and I knew I'd come out half decent every time, and yeah, you know in, uh, in every final I was like the third or second at, at one stage, and I had a, a fair chance of having a crack at it, but it didn't sort of it didn't eventuate as it turned out. So yeah, that that was a good one. Um, just the way we worked together as a team to get yeah. the car going really well, that was awesome. And the other one that was really really good was a Bormack Race of Champions. So I got invited to two of those. Yes. Um, and that was, I think it was 94 and 95. And at that stage, you'd remember, this yeah. is a time when everyone just stepped it up to another level and no yeah. one would make a mistake and everyone yeah. was just on fire. Yeah. And um, Dave Smith, you know, he used to make us do the three laps at Bankstown track. So we used to have to qualify <laughs> do the hot lap. and Just you, and could, just you on yeah, the race Yeah, track. just one yeah. at a time, yeah. yeah. And, and you, you can remember that how many people were there. Like oh, it, was, it was insane. It was like, three or four deep the whole way around the track and yeah. the way Smithy used to commentate, you know, it was like, you just put you on edge and yeah. you know, we had to do the three laps in two-wheel drive and then in four-wheel drive, you know, and then he'd average, average your two best times yeah. and that'd give you a starting position. Well, um, you know, like, so the, the first lap was an oval and then you had to tuck it into the infield Yes, and then eventually this would lead you out onto the back straight and I remember my Losi, I just, I can't, I had like a 10 turn motor or something. The thing was just off as nuts. <laughs> and I, I come out onto the back straight with a double X, the hydro drive slits are about a foot and a half. And then the front wheels go up in the air and it just carries the front wheels, like the whole length of the back straight <laughs> and everyone in the crowd's going wild and I'm trying to block it all out. So I couldn't hear him, you know, and Smithy's commentating and everything. And anyway, and I, after everything was done and the times get posted, like I'm the fastest in two wheel drive. I'm like, to me, I was like, that's it up. I don't even need to race him, but that's, that's dummy. I'm going. And then, yeah. yeah, then I go out in four wheel drive and I do the oval and I sit in the first corner when I tuck into the infield, I clip the curb and roll on the oh, roof. So, yeah. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> so for those listening, you know, who may not be familiar with that event, that's a, you know, the Bormack Race of Champions through that middle 90s, you know, was a race meeting really styled after the Reedy Race of Champions, wasn't it? And, yeah, uh, the club uh, with Dave Smith at the helm would invite um, you know the top sort of sixteen from around the country to come and do battle over two days. You know, it was and quite an extraordinary um, event for you know for those few years in particular. Uh, yeah, so that's the kind of context of that story. And that that single lap, or not single lap, but just you, almost almost Bathurst top ten shootout style. Yeah. You know, just you on the track, the commentary, the crowd. Uh, that you know that certainly was a moment that I will never forget. You know, being <laughs> being out on the racetrack for that you know that minute forty five seconds, whatever it was, just you. Uh, I've never been more nervous in my life than you know that minute. That's for sure. I can agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, we've talked about some we've talked about some some tracks. We've talked about some events. Are, are, are there other um, sort of best tracks that, that stand out to you that, you know, tracks that you raced at over that time that, you know, that you really look back on fondly as a great racetrack? Oh, there was probably a heap of them, but yeah. I think um, I sort of made a little bit of a comeback and I raced the Nationals in 2000, yeah. uh, which is at Knox. 
that was really, really good. Yeah. Knox. Um, and then at one stage we would do the SA titles as well. And every time we'd go to South Australia, the guys used to turn on an incredible tracks. So yeah. They were like really three dimensional. Or um, I remember one that was cut out into a football oval. But they'd actually cut the track into the cut grass. Down into so, the ground, yeah. Yeah, down into the grass. And they had like tabletops and berms. And yeah, really, really good. What what's a what makes a great racetrack for you, Lou? What's what do you look for in a racetrack? Oh, now nowadays it's changed a lot. Yeah. But back back then it was just um, you needed skill. You, it was yeah. a complete different type of driving. You needed to caress the car through some parts of the track. You, you know, there were certain sections that you need to take through at half throttle or a quarter throttle. Whereas now it all seems to be about timing the jumps. And hairpins, yeah. but yeah, it's a um, for me, kind of for me, it was a track that you could drive um, and use your skill to go faster. Yeah, yeah, your skill on the trigger. <laughs> uh, I, I, just that you know, going back to that story about you wheel standing the whole length of the back straight at, at uh, Bormack reminds me that you, for whatever reason, I did. You know, you always had the reputation of being one of the men with with horsepower, and so it. You know, it's no surprise to me to know now that you've spent, you know, a lifetime working in the automotive industry building uh, big horsepower. But, you know, there was something about the way you put your car on the racetracks uh, back in those days that uh, there was never a shortage of horsepower when Lou Solar was behind the wheel. Uh, it was always something to look forward to. And if I didn't make an A, it was always myself and Michael Chardy so always have a little thing going. If I'm going crap, just watch the back straight. <laughs> it was just a little thing that we used to always say it. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I just, I don't know. It was either. Um, I think I used to spend a lot more time working out the gearing of the end of the motors to get them in the right power band, and yeah. um, and there was a, also a lot of it, the way you sort of cut, you use the throttle out of the tight yes. corners. You could, yeah. you could um, use less throttle, draw less current, but then yeah. still get away with running a big opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, talk to me about some of the people. So, you know, we've mentioned a few people on the way through. Um, you know, you've talked about the Chards and uh, and the Crows and, um, you know, this obviously the Sydney guys. Um, are there any other, you know, kind of the standout competitors, the guys that were the hardest to beat, um, you know, the ones you love to beat the most? Uh, and maybe even good mates, you know, who are some of the people that, you know, will you'll always look back on from that time? In Victoria, uh, well, myself and the Chards, we got on famously. Yeah. Uh, Davey, Pete Crow, yeah. um, Tim and Trent McClure with Robbie. Yeah. get on really good. They Simon were super Badizzi. fast too, weren't they? The McClure's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Simon Badizzi was really, really good. Yeah. Um, so Simon sort of emerged in that right in the mid 90s, didn't he? Picked up a national title at Jimboomba um, in truck, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was fast. Yeah, very quick, just natural talent. Um, and then, obviously, in a state, uh, myself and Stewie Grant used to get on famously. Yes. Um, Darren Campbell and I, I remember ringing him up on Friday night and we'd talk for three hours, just talking <laughs> crap about setup and race meets he'd been to. Um, yeah, Lee Cheeseman. We used to always catch up with him when we'd yeah. go in a state or something like that. Um, there's probably a, a couple yeah. of others that I can, you know, Simon Camilleri, another yes. one. Yes, yeah. 
Simon, you know, I, I, again, big horsepower, but also just one of the nicest fellas that was around uh, in that era. And, you know, so well prepared for any race meeting you went to, you know, always had it all together. One of the really hard guys to beat. Um, Huge respect for that guy. Yeah. Huge respect. Like just the skill. He just, he just had, when you thought that you couldn't drive a car any faster, you just watched Simon Camilleri go yeah. around there and, and you could always just, there was always something you, you never knew how fast he could actually go. Like it was yeah. always, he always had that next level and yeah, terrific, terrific bloke and really nice. And went on later to do pretty special things in Nitro on-road uh, part yep. of the sport, didn't he? Yep. His skill um, again. Yeah. Just driver. Incredible. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and catch up with Simon for a chat uh, sometime soon um, along along these lines. So let's talk uh, Let's talk a bit about gear, about cars. We've talked a little bit about uh, Losi. You know, you got into that um, that kind of Losi and around that kind of early um, JRX2 time and you really were known for that. But in terms of four-wheel drives, you've driven just about everything going, having the Yokomo Kyosho, uh, the Predator, um, all sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, I think Tamiya. you talked about Tamiya. Yeah, so let's, all right, let's go there. Uh, let's talk about what goes through your mind in, what are we talking here, 1994? <laughs> no, you look at it. 90, 92, 93 it was. 92, 93, you look at a Tamiya Top Force and go, yes, we can make this a race car. I mean, what... Tell me the story of the, t- that is perhaps one of the most famous individual cars from Australia over that time. Uh, the Lou Solar to me. <laughs> Tell me the story. So, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're at, we're at a point. So this would have been 1992. So Yokomo YZ870C. Yeah. Um, magnesium bulkheads. Yeah. Drive shafts made out of lead because literally there's no softer steel than the drive shafts that were made out of on a Yokomo belts that you may as well use the rubber bands that a posty would bring around to your place and you just the car was just crap like the materials were just rubbish um they used to go good and everything but unless you you could just continuously keep spending and throwing money on it and new drive shafts and new belts and the belt pulleys would wear out and the magnesium bulkhead would snap and then you had to drill another hole to hold the shock tower in yep. it was just crap anyway and we we're at Knox practicing one one Saturday and then this kid shows up and he's got a Tamiya Manta Ray and it's like getting around not too bad. Yeah. So we'll go up to this kid and, and we just said to him, said, listen, do you reckon um, you'd let us have a drive of your car? And he goes, yeah. So, but I want to do some things to your car before it goes on the track. And he goes, what do you want to do? I said, I want to put some different wheels on it and stuff. Anyway, so I had, I think I had a set of uh, single hex rims with some, whatever tires we were running, it might've been Frura or something like that. Yeah. And this kid had, had some like a Tamiya motor in it. So I put one of my batteries in it, put some tires on it. And this thing was just incredible. Like it, it jumped good. It had power. It was fast. Like, cause it was shaft drive. It was fast as. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, this thing's not bad. <laughs> anyway. So we give the kid his car back and I'm sure. Exactly. And, um, one of the kids that I was practicing with, his dad owned a um, zigzag hobbies franchise, I think. And they used to deal with um, hobby co, I think, which was the Tamiya importer back then. And his, his old man says to me, he goes, Oh, you know, Tamiya make like a competition version of that car. I'm like, yeah, what is it? He goes, Oh, it's a top fours evolution. He goes, I reckon I can get you one of those if you're interested in running it. And I'm said, mm, I'll give it a go. Yeah. So two or three weeks later, 
I've got a top force evolution to play with. And yeah, we put put all the gear in it, put the tires on it, and it was it was like as fast as what that basic to me a car was, but faster. Yeah. Yeah. Better shocks, it's yeah. got everything on it. Yeah. So um back then we didn't have the advent of Google, so we had to no. wait for magazines. And I'm going through an English magazine, and I see that they're running them in the UK. So, and there's some bits for them in the UK. So, um, some we needed to get some different gears. I ended up bringing Rob Reed from um, Motor Motorsports International in yeah. South Australia. Yeah. I, I, they weren't Robinson Racing. They're on the tip of my tongue what they were, but it was a different pinion that you could run, and yeah. it managed to get me a whole heap of stuff and there was a there was an article from a magazine where they had some trf parts anyway so we we just went out and kept mucking around with it and every time i'd go out i'd make a change to the car and i noticed it didn't have any anti-squad so we ended up cutting off all the all the suspension mounts making some new ones out of carbon fiber and this that and the other we go to one of these uh orca rounds in between things and like, my car was just super fast like i and I was as competitive as anyone else. And I think yeah. um, at that stage, Mark Polistino, Mark Polistino rest in peace, yes. um, he was like really flying with his boss cat and yeah. I made him look like he was stopped. And um, <laughs> yeah, and this is, this is sort of like late-ish in the, in the year. Yeah. And I'm like, this car's really, really good. So as, as it progressed, um, we were getting ready to go for the New South Wales Victoria champion championship it was like a world's yes. the interstate interstate at Wodonga yeah so I've taken the top force and um I'd seen on one of the American magazines this little thing that the Dunn brothers had made with a the rocking front shock tower which um but to me I had a little bit too much steering and I thought there's going to okay. be a way to get around it so I thought well maybe the rocker shock tower might sort of take away a little bit of the bite and I made one and sure enough it was just it, it made the car what it was um so we get to Wodonga, everyone's setting their stuff up. I've got my Tamiya on, sh- on the table, on a little fold-up plastic table. <laughs> you know the ones. I do. And, yeah, um, I know the ones. And then um, the boys from New South Wales come in and they're going, Lou, you're not going to run that, are you? I'm like, <laughs> I am. They go, and Darren, I remember Daz's line. It was like, did you pick that up at the server on the way here? And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, so... We go through the heats, and I was, yeah, like I run the same two-wheel drive motor in the Tamiya shaft drive, so it was just like an eleven double or eleven single or something like this, and this thing down the back straight was just enormous. And we do the run, and um, I'm doing faster lap times and Reese Birdles, and we finish finish the first heat, and I'm like fastest qualifier. Well, I put my car on a table, go out the marshal, I come back after marshalling, and there's like thirty people standing on the table. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Long story short, about a month goes by and then I get a phone call from Darren. Oh, what springs you running on the back of that thing? <laughs> so he's got one. <laughs> so yeah, that was to me a top four story. That, that was a great that was a great story. That was a, certainly a famous car. Uh, very, very cool time. car. So that did that uh you know that I mean it does illustrate one of the other things I recall about you, which was that you were always experimenting you know always looking always trying new things you know you were telling me a story earlier about the the uh you know shoemaker cat 2000 front end with a you know losi um it would have been a double x or double x cr rear end mated onto it yeah. you know that you'd run in about 96 or 97 um yep. you know that was that that kind of experimentation always part of racing for you 
yeah, a little bit. Um, just had to make stuff work. Yeah. Um, you couldn't, there's a lot of the stuff didn't work. You'd yeah. buy it, put it on the track and it didn't work. So, um, I had this little part, part of the hobby for me was to, to try to identify what the car would do and yeah. not do, and then try to work out a way of getting around to make it work. Yeah. So whether it was modifying a suspension pickup point or making a different shock tower or grafting a different set of shocks onto a car, like that, that was me all over. Yeah. It's something I used to enjoy doing. Tell, tell me the kind of the one or two cars that for you are the, you know, the epitome of that time, you know, that you will kind of, you know, is it the, is it the JRX2? Is it the double X? Is it that, is it that top force? Is it the predator? You ran predators for so many years as well. You know, what are the car, what's the car or the cars that, you know, that you recall from that time most fondly? Um, the, the Loti JRX Pro SE. Yeah. That was, that was really special. That, that was a big step from what we'd run up to that. Up to that yep. point, it was a big step forward, and obviously when the double X came out and that hydro drive, that was yeah. just incredible. Yeah, um, and, and a lot of people never used to run it, but I think it never ever came off my car. Yeah, once you got it worked out, it was it was quite a weapon, wasn't it? It was awesome, and then in towards the end with the double X, I used to run the the truck gearbox, which was two point six one ratio, and everyone's yep. like, "Oh, what are you running that for?" I'm like, "It makes the car better." Oh, and then the next model, the next the the triple X came out with a 2.4 ratio and I think the new cars now have all got 2.6 ratios. So yeah. Fancy that. So there you were 20 years ahead that was, of the time. Yeah. yeah. So that was a two wheel drive and the four wheel drive, the, the last predator I had, yeah. um, it was, a, it, I mean, the early one was a mess, but yeah. by the time I got that last one and, and it took one of those, you know, when you, when you know that there's something not right with the car and you keep staring it and staring it and staring it and, and you like, I can't understand what it is. And then all of a sudden the penny dropped and I actually worked out the whole problem with the car and I changed it and it made it just incredible. And, and I, I won a, I won a Coleman cup against Simon Badesi and Simon Badesi at that point, he was, he was at quick. the top of, he was going really yeah. good and he had a double X four and I yeah. lapped him in two out of the three finals. Yeah. So that was, that, that car was incredible. So, yeah, that, I mean, it was such a fascinating story that car, wasn't it? From the first photo prototype photos that appeared, that Formula One inspired sort of inboard rocker arm yeah. suspension, um, yeah, the the unique noise that it made, uh, oh. and the work that you guys, you know, I, I mean, I never ran one myself, but yeah. you know, as an as an observer from the outside, you know, the work that you had to do to make the car work in Australia. Um, but you got there. You stuck with it and, you know, worked your way uh, through it. Yeah, well, I stopped with it. <laughs> so, 95, <laughs> 95 was the, the straw that broke the camel's back at okay. the Nationals of Jim Boomba. I just could yep. not. Yeah. I, like, I, I had, like, conventional shocks on it and I still couldn't get it to work. But then yeah. um, they released the XK98 or something, I think it was. And yeah. that, that sort of addressed a lot of the little issues that the original one had. And you could actually make it, make it uh, sound like a normal car. It didn't have that coffee grinder sound going around the track. <laughs> and yeah, like it was, it was really good. Um, good enough for me to win the Vic titles against Simon Camilleri. So. Yeah, that's, that is absolutely saying something. Mate, so we've, I mean, we've toured our way through the 90s, um, you know, and that's really the focus of this conversation. You're still doing some racing these days, a bit of touring car racing with your son, maybe a little bit of off-road as well. Is yeah. That the story? Um, yeah, I um, I did a few years of nitro tours and oh, you did, yes. too much and yep. um, raced the world championships in Brisbane in 06. 
probably my worst race meeting in the history of my racing. And but I learned a lot and uh, had a bit of fun. Met a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, I stopped for a little while, and my yeah. son Brendan's like really hooked in a um, on road at one stage. So I, I started racing on road with him. Yeah. And that sort of reignited the flame to go out racing again and. Um, just need to sort of check myself every now and then and yeah. remind myself that I'm not 23 anymore. <laughs> I'm over 50 and um, not take things too serious. But and yeah, I'm, okay. I'm having a bit of fun and yeah. we've had a couple of goes with the off-road and yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying it all. Yeah, it's yeah. good. Did you, did you become mechanic for Brendan? Was that, you know, was there a bit of a flip in the thing there where, you know, you were working on preparing his cars, helping him find his way um, for a time as he grew up? Um, well, he turned 26 this year. He's yes. been racing since he's about eight. Okay. So if you say that uh, for the last 18 months, he's been doing his own car. Up to oh. that point, it was all me. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's not listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as, you know, as you dabble a little bit now, and as you know, you've said... Um, you know, you're trying to just keep it in perspective and have a good time with your friend, with your mates and your son. And, you know, what, what do you make of um, RC today, um, you know, and, and comparing back to some of those times we talked about um, over this conversation? You know, where, where do you, what excites you about what you see going on around the racetracks of Australia right now? Uh, in on-road, not a hell of a lot, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to put a positive spin on it, but I really can't. Um, there's not very many kids racing in on-road. Yeah. Um, maybe too many classes. Hard to really put a finger on what the deal yeah. is. Um, we go to an off-road event. There's three times the amount of entries. Um, that's almost a full heat of kids. Yeah. A lot of kids in some of the other classes, which is good. There's um, been a bit of an emphasis in Victoria, hasn't there, in recent years on, on those kids in off-road um, yeah, I yeah, think the, they're pushing it really hard, and yeah. which is good because yeah. at the end of the day, you want to see you know, the kids enjoying themselves, and it's the kids that are the future of the hobby. Yeah. Right. Let me finish with one final question, which I, I did not preempt for you, but I'm going to ask this question of everyone that I speak to over the next little while. Um, yep. You can take any car from your from your time. You know, any car from that uh, very first Marui Hunter uh, right through yeah. uh, to whatever you're running now and put it on any track. So any car, any track. Um, where Where's Lou Solar's happy place in terms of a car and a racetrack? Well, that's a tricky one. Um, <laughs> the, so it could be a two-wheel drive or four-wheel drive, one yeah. car on one track. Any car, any track. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll give you some My, thinking. Do you want me to give you yeah. some thinking music? So while you think no. about that, you know, I'll say that for me, the, the Cat 2000 from, of around from all the events that are racing 94, 95, uh, and that and the track for me is uh, on the side of the velodrome at Newcastle, nineteen ninety two New South Wales Championships. I think I don't know if yep. you were at that one. I was there. Uh, that's the track that I just you know, and to put a put a car from a couple of years later around that track for me would be super fun. Um, so that was really yeah, hard packed, wasn't it? Oh, it was super hard packed, yeah, and and it had that three dimensional kind of feel to it, which you know I loved in all the racetracks that I really enjoyed. Um, had that, you know, built on the side of a hill, or like Keeler in '94, you know, you built up the back the back of the track, so there was some up and down to it, uh, and that so that Newcastle track I remember really fondly. 
Um, I reckon the Predator that I raced at the 2000 Vic Championships yep. on the indoor track at Adelaide in 1996. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and particularly if you can take your 2000 tyres back there, right? To, um, yep. to have yep. that little bit of a traction <laughs> advantage. <laughs> yeah. Lou Solar, uh, truly one of the gentlemen, one of the characters of Australian RC. Thank you so much uh, for a little bit of a chat down memory lane. I feel like I could keep chatting with you for hours about stories, uh, but these podcasts can't go on uh, forever. So we might call it there. Um, thank you, mate, for the chat. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Scotty. My pleasure. <laughs>